2: Everyone, we're back. Week two, another chat about Britney Spears and her book, The Woman in Me. And you know what, guys? I decided for tonight, for today, for this morning, wherever I'm meeting you, to go solo. I wanted to go solo, just talk to you guys directly. And I I decided to do that because this is the time we're going to talk about Britney in her book, chapters eight through 14. And this is the prime time, I would say, in Britney's life. This is when I originally started the podcast way, way back, before we knew that Britney was in a conservatorship, before we knew she was trapped and she had to get out. I started this podcast because I just loved talking about her, and I felt like I couldn't find my people. And if you're new to the podcast, uh, and you're coming and meeting us in, in this iteration, at the beginning, I started doing this because I felt like I would go to parties and it would, someone would mention Britney Spears because she's always in the ether. She's always around us. And then someone would say, wait, Jen loves Britney Spears. And my ears would perk up. And then I'd get in a whole conversation and they would look at me and they would ask, Oh, are you serious? And I would say, I'm very serious. I love Britney Spears. And so when I started this, I found my people and Maria, my producer at the time, I remember she said those concerts were filled with people. The people have to be out there. You're not alone. It's impossible. And that, made, that, that brought me great comfort. So how are we all doing? I just want to check in, see how your Halloween was. I was Olivia Benson, AKA Mariska Hargitay from SVU. My husband was Columbo. Our costumes. <laughs> We're a hit. I woke up on Saturday. We were going to a party. And I said, Van, I don't have a costume. Like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I've been so busy. I've been running around and we I knew he was gonna be Columbo. And he said, jump in the car. Because I said, I really think if I'm gonna be Olivia Benson, I'm gonna need a wig. So we go down to Hollywood Boulevard. We go to, I think it's it might just be called like the Hollywood costume shop. Turns out it is the oldest store on Hollywood Boulevard. And it was jam-packed. I don't do well with crowds because obviously it was the weekend of Halloween. Van prepared me for that. He was like, this is going to be a nightmare. It ended up turning out to be a dream because uh, a dream within a dream. I found a wig because I was trying to get the, the Olivia Benson season six, between season six and season seven hair. And I found a pretty good wig. Pretty good wig. I wore some tight boot cut jeans with uh, with a boot. I got myself a leather blazer and I wore a, a like a jewel tone t shirt and a belt. And then Van got me. He got me some handcuffs and he made me a badge. He went down to his office and he came back and he said, "This is for you." And he made me Olivia made me an Olivia Benson badge. And I was like, "How did you do this?" And I looked on the back and it was an old. Hotel key. Van has skills. He made that for me and and a badge, so I had my police badge, and it went off so well. People really liked it, and I am bad at costumes, so it felt like a redemption. I felt like I was like, okay, I finally nailed it, and I want to remember this. So please, someone out there, don't let me forget. I already know what I want to be for Halloween next year, and I want to be my last name is Zabrowski. I want to be the Big Lebowski but I'll be like the big Zabrowski. So don't let me forget it, guys. I need, I need the sweater. I need the shoes. I need the whole thing. So I, I'm gonna be Jeff Bridges, the big, the big Zabrowski next year. <laughs> we don't let me forget. There were a lot of Britney costumes, obviously, uh, and very fun. I was like, should I go that way? And I was like, you know what? No, let her, let, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have space. But I loved Paris Hilton's costume that she that she did toxic Britney. It was so good. It was amazing. And especially because, as we know, Britney talks so highly of Paris Hilton in her book. So I thought that was like a beautiful way for Paris to, you know, give a nod to Britney and congratulate her on her book coming out. So that was a real, a real joy as well. And because, you know, times are tough, life is hard right now for so many people. It's, there's a lot going on. I just wanna talk about something. I wanna wanna give you guys something. If you need to disassociate, I have something for you, okay? And that is Victoria Beckham, okay? I need you to go to her Instagram and listen to her promote a beauty product of hers from her Victoria Beckham uh, makeup line. She talks about this one product called a, the Kajal Eyeliner. And the way she says Cajel and the way she talks about this product, it has brought me so much joy for months, maybe years. And I have never told a single soul about this. And I need to, sh- I need to share this with you all. It's bringing me as much comfort, almost as much comfort, as when Rachel McAdams and Ryan Gosling ran into each other's arms and kissed on the stage at the MTV Movie Awards. And we're also gonna circle back and talk about that tonight as well. So do yourself a favor. If you need to just kind of check out And you don't wanna go on your mindfulness app and listen to a meditation. Just go to Victoria Beckham's Instagram and listen to her talk about this product. I don't own this product. It has not persuaded me to buy this product, but I just love how she talks about the cajel and how smoothly it goes on. So that's a gift for each and every one of you. Another thing that's happening, I just wanna say, it's candle season. It's candle season. I love candles. It really drives me nuts. Cody Rigsby, who I love from Peloton, he's my favorite Peloton instructor, and he did a whole thing about how he was like, don't give me a candle. That's the worst gift you could ever give me. And I'm like, all I want is for someone to give me candles. I love candles. Big shout out to Wild Flora. It's a flower shop here in Los Angeles. They've got some great candles. I've got a rosemary burning right now, and there's also a great candle at Target. It's a three wick. I don't know what it's called it might be like an evergreen type candle it's a three wick and i ripped the label off and so it just looks like a nice clean candle can't say enough good things about it okay we're jumping in chapters eight through 14 are we ready we're at the start of britney's time at jive records Okay, she talks about meeting this man, Clive Calder. He's the head of Jive Records. He's got a South African accent. She's never heard anything like it before. It's a fancy three-story office, and he's treating her as if she's a part of a secret club because guess what, Brittany? You are a part of a secret club, and he is also holding a tiny dog, and he lets Brittany hold this dog. You guys, this is the start of Britney's obsession with little dogs. Think about it. It's like her whole world is opening up to her. And here she is, little dogs and men with funny accents and people laughing and and supporting her and making all her dreams come true. The way she writes about this time in her life, it was as if Dorothy was walking into the land of Oz. And it made me so happy. She talks about how she felt like she knew this man in a past life. It was it was, it was was destiny. It was destiny for Britney. And she sang Whitney Houston, I Have Nothing. That was her audition song. And she said she sang it loud. Thinking about that, that Britney marked that she sang it loud because later, you know, Britney was so... Soft spoken, and also a lot of her, like her singing style became much more understated. It wasn't, you know, big ballads singing loud. And so I wonder if that's something, and we had talked about this so much on the podcast about that power in her voice from when she was on Star Search, from when she was on the Mickey Mouse Club. And it's like, why didn't we get that in Britney's? career as a solo artist but she does talk about later you know this time of her musical influences when she talks about Tainted Love by Soft Cell that this was her musical inspiration influence for Baby One More Time she listened to it over and over and over again the night before she recorded Baby One More Time. That is a that that's not your average like musical influence for a girl of her age at that time, and all throughout this book, I was really struck by how she would make these really interesting choices. She was really drawn to interesting things, was very much in in tune with herself and was constantly giving herself a gut check of like what she wanted the video, the concept of the video to be for Baby One More Time. Knowing and having so much respect for the team behind the Dream Within a Dream tour and how they put that together and how she said it was the best tour of her career. And she really admires the people, how they put it together and how they led it and how it was brilliant. And then at the same time, she lacks certain like references when she talks about possibly starring in Chicago and playing the role that Renee Zellweger played. And she said that the dancing would have been amazing because it was very pussycat doll-esque. And it's like, actually, Brittany, you're not wrong, but that's called Fosse, (laughs) like that's just called Fosse. You could have done Fosse dancing and done Fosse choreography. So it's she goes she vacillates between knowing these things and and having you know no reference to these things. I thought that was uh, I thought that was just very interesting. She she really keeps us guessing. So what made Brittany choose the things she talks about in this book, guys? Like what 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 drove her? Because she at one point mentions that she. At this time, when she's at Jive Records, she's recording the music, she goes down to this party, a barbecue, and she says she's in a dress and heels, and at the time, she always wore a dress and heels. She was only 15 years old. And at this party, she walks into a screen door. The most relatable thing I've ever heard, because as we all have experienced, I'm sure, I I feel like there are more of us who have walked into a screen door and more of us who have walked into a glass door than not. I mean, I'm raising my hand currently, I have done all of these things. And it's absolutely embarrassing when it happens. I actually did it. I was a camp counselor. And I was walking with a camper. And we walked in together at the same time. And that was very embarrassing, because I was supposed to be in charge of this person, you know, I was leading her and I led her into a glass door. So Um, so it it wasn't my best moment. So I understood Britney's embarrassment, but she doesn't like being embarrassed. And I think that's why she chose to talk about that in the book. But there are so many things I would have loved for her to discuss. So many things are vague. I said it to Theodore last week. She answers so many questions and also leaves us with so many more questions after she makes certain statements. She never mentions Fred Durst in the book. I was like, oh, are we going to get it? Are we going to find out? Did she make out with Fred Durst? Is she going to confirm it? She also doesn't fully talk about how she and Justin got back together. Guys, I need to hear about the first kiss. I need to hear about like, so we're on tour and you know, I heard Justin liked me and I told JC I liked him and and Lance said you guys should make out. Like I'm making all of this up. I have no idea but I need to know this. It she just kind of is like and I knew I was in love with him head over heels. But it's like, "Well, how did you find out that Justin was head over heels for you? What was the first kiss? Were you guys on were you on tour with him? Did he come and visit you?" And these certain like in chapters 8 through 12 she is moving through so, breezing through so much i mean that that these chapters could have been its own book i mean she breezes through the mall tour the tour within sync trl we could have had an entire chapter about trl she just says i was a permanent fixture on trl at the time She talks briefly about the David LaChapelle photo shoot, but doesn't give us anything new about that. All she says is that her mom seemed concerned, but she wanted to work with him again, even after this. And it's like, I want to know, like, you know, how did she feel when she put the shorts on? How did she feel that it said baby on the butt? Like any of these things or the Teletubbies were her idea or just any of it but it's we don't get a lot of details it's just kind of like bullet points i just i i kind of wanted more another another interesting uh musical influence that Britney talks about is Paula Cole you don't you don't hear a lot of Paula Cole is is inspiring me from these pop stars and if you guys don't know who Paula Cole is, she sang the Dawson's Creek theme song, I Don't Want to Wait. So also I loved that connection. I'm like, oh, well then maybe Brittany loved Dawson's Creek. And so that is what pulled her in. Now I'm gonna take us on a little journey. I wanna say first, rest in peace, Matthew Perry. And guys, I was so sad when I heard this, but because I was reading the Britney book, And because in this first chapter, in chapter eight, she's talking about her time at Jive Records and that she was 15. So this is the time Britney's career starts. I was reminded of a Matthew Perry movie. He has a very small role in it. So I wouldn't say it's a Matthew Perry movie, but it is called She's Out of Control. Someone out there are you screaming? Are you saying, oh my God, yes, I love this movie, please. I cannot be the only one who's ever heard of this movie. It is starring Tony Danza. And Tony Danza is a dad, a single dad of two girls. The eldest is 15. And I believe the youngest is like 12 or 13. And it starts on his daughter's 15th birthday. And it's a very, she's all that you know, it's a, it's a makeover movie. It has like all the tropes where she has glasses and braces and curly hair and a ponytail on top of her head. And she has been dating the boy next door forever. And she's super sweet and smart. And we know that in a few months she's going to go on this trip to Europe. And her dad leaves to go on a business trip. And Tony Danza's girlfriend um also it was like I'm a single dad of two and I'm 37 years old and I was like oh my god um and he has this 15 and 13 year old and so the girlfriend of Tony Danza looks at the daughter and she's like are you sure you want to do this and she's like yes and they have this amazing makeover sequence And so they get the braces off. She gets her hair relaxed. Oh, of course, glasses come off. We get contacts. They take her shopping. We've got like that, you know, a great wonky shot of her trying to walk in heels for the first time. And then the dad comes home from the business trip. The phone is ringing off the hook. He keeps taking messages He's like, my daughter's busy. She can't take, the, and he's like, why are all these guys calling the house? What is going on? And then a boy arrives at the front door and he's taking her on a date and his daughter walks down the stairs and it's like a slow-mo shot and she's so beautiful. And and then the dad is like, oh my God. And then she becomes obsessed with boys. All of this I bring up because she's 15 in the movie. It starts on her 15th birthday. Also my sister I hadn't watched the movie in a really long time. My sister always was like, "Jen, remember when you you were she's out of control?" I I when I was 15, I came out of my my shell. I went from braces, glasses and all of a sudden like also my face like slightly changed, you know, when you it's not puberty, but it's like a it's like puberty too. And and all of a sudden like boys were paying attention to me and I like couldn't stop looking at myself in the mirror because I was like, whoa, it's like I was my own version of the swan. I was like, I'm pretty. And I became obsessed with boys. That is when my career of being boy crazy began. And I truly became this girl. She's out of control. And one of the lines in the movie, I watched it the other night and I was like, oh, because Matthew Perry's in, I'm going to give this a rewatch there are, of course, because this movie was made in the eighties, there are some problematic moments in the movie, of course, but, um, she's talking to her dad and she, he's like, you have to stop. You have to be kind to people. And she's like, I don't know, dad. She's like, I I mean, I will, but I've never had attention like this from boys. It's kind of neat. And I was like, my sister and I could not stop laughing. I was like, Oh my God, I really, when I finally, my senior year of high school, that summer my mom was like, you need to leave for college now I had three boyfriends at my high school graduation party and it was a problem. it was a problem it didn't go well I I, I almost I almost made it through by having three boyfriends at the party but it, it didn't it didn't work out. I did get caught I did get caught. so all this to say, Brittany, when you should just be kissing boys and looking at yourself in the mirror and going, oh my god, am I pretty now and letting your grades slip, Britney was having to carry the entire weight of the pop music community on her shoulders and was traveling and uh, running around with Insync doing her own tour and that I, it's just like it blows my mind today I was in therapy and my therapist I mentioned briefly something about Britney Spears and then the book, and she paused and she said, "It seems like she means a lot to you." And I was like, "You have no idea." And it's I I, I truly don't have enough time to unpack that right now. But she said, "Oh, it's so interesting that you are the same age, and to think about all the life experiences you have had, while Britney, you know, has been in all this growth, and Britney hasn't been able to have any of that." And it is so true. But Britney has had so much life experience before that. And that brings me to Britney's perfect moment. When Britney was 19, she talks about her favorite time. She goes on this trip, she performs, and she is skinny dipping, she's hanging out with all the dancers, then they go into a sauna, and she said it was wild but innocent, nothing too crazy. And I feel like at 19 years old, it was this moment where she literally was not a girl, not yet a woman. It's that sweet spot. It was the equivalent of her going on uh, a semester abroad. You know, like she was out there just doing her thing and having the ability to live her life and make her own choices and have a great time with her dancers. Guys, the Justin Timberlake of it all is so embarrassing. What are we gonna do? Poor, I mean, she was generous to him in a lot of ways and now we can all look back and we can say, you know, it did make me a bit uncomfortable when Justin wore a, a big chain that was bedazzled in jewels that was a giant T. It, it wasn't, it wasn't quite right. It's like how, it's like how none of us should say Yas Queen, you know, it's like, oh, that wasn't, that wasn't so great. And I asked Theodore this last week, And I'm going to say it. I'm going to ask us all this today. How do we think Justin is doing right now? Is he at all embarrassed? I don't think he is, though. I think uh, the people around him would say, you were young and da-da-da, and you know, you rebranded yourself with a man of the woods to kind of erase that time in your life. But boy, oh boy, the fact that Fee made fun of him is, <laughs> oh, it kind of tickled me. I love it. I love it. And God bless Fee. She went, she was Britney's true parent. I mean, it was Britney's mom had to leave to go raise Jamie Lynn, which I think is the start of the resentment of, of Brittany you know, against her sister. And they bring Fee in and Fee goes with Britney and is doing everything with her. I mean, from going to be with Max Martin to record this album. And the Max Martin of it all, I mean, I I think it's it's not a good thing to have a 15-year-old to go out to dinner with a grown man by herself, with this grown man to dinner. But they sat there and they had a nice moment and thank thank goodness max martin is seems like pure sunshine no one has said a bad word about him and this also made me think about taylor swift guys do we talk about taylor swift do i dare this this could this could be rough i'm going to say this i'm 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 going to say this this is a trigger warning if i am not a swifty but i love her in a way i obviously respect her i mean my god what she's doing physically on the error store but her dancing her dancing i've had to talk to so many people about this i have a girlfriend who has seen so many concerts all she does is see concerts she has seen some of the greats she has seen rolling stones she has seen prince Okay, she's seen Beyonce many a time. Then she's also seen lots of different bands, lots of you know obscure bands, smaller bands, more, you know like a quiet band. Then she's seen all the pop stars. She loves Gwen Stefani. Okay, like she really, really understands a concert and the how a concert hits an audience. She went to see the Errors tour, and she said, "I think it's the best concert." I've ever seen. And I looked at her and she said with the exception of Prince. I have not been to the Eras Tour yet. I have not seen the movie. Is this something I need to do? I will go. I will go because I love pop music that much. I will go see it. I think I need to, but I have watched so many clips when she was in Los Angeles. I laid in bed every night and I watched on Instagram for hours. I would just scroll through and watch clips of Taylor on stage and I just couldn't get over the, the, the dancing. The, the, she's like, she's like the ringmaster in the circus and, and it's tough for me, and I, but I wonder, I wonder, as we all know, her songwriting can't really be matched. Can't really be matched. Taylor's songwriting can't be matched. And the magic that she has made with Max Martin, I think, is some of her best music. So here's what I'm saying. If we have Britney, who's done now two songs, she's done two songs. She did one with Elton John, and then she did another, I said it like I know Elton, like, you know, Elton, my friend Elton. So she she did one with Elton John, and then she did another song with Will I Am, Britney doesn't really like new people. And Andy Cohen actually talked about this on, I recently heard him talk about this, of how like he wanted Britney to come on the show. This was years ago when she was in the conservatorship and they said, well, why don't you do this other talkback series because she doesn't like, you know, going on something with someone she doesn't know. So I'm like, okay, I, she, I know she doesn't know Taylor Swift, but Taylor, you are so supportive. You are America's cheerleader. Truly, especially now, you're the cheerleader. You're with the football player. Why don't you do a song with Britney? And why don't you have her sing loud? Like when she was a little girl, I'm just saying, I think this could be great. I think it really could be great. But back to the Justin of it all, They're madly in love. We don't get any details. We just know she can't live without him. And this is also, we get to, okay, page 61. Take out your books. She says at the end, this is so far my favorite quote, and I said it last week, but I gotta say it again. On page 61, she says, trying to find ways to protect my heart from criticism and to keep the focus on what was important. I started reading religious books, like the Conversations with God series by Neil Donald Walsh. I also started taking Prozac, period. We get no explanation. We have no idea why did she she feel anxious at this time? Did she want to go see a doctor? What did the doctor say? How did she feel being on Prozac versus not being on Prozac? We get no explanation. This book is very simply written and I do respect and like that but I also have more questions I have more questions again we breeze past the Super Bowl all she says is like it's it's stuff we already know there's nothing in there that we don't know however you guys the fact that the night after the Super Bowl Brittany performed with Michael Jackson at Madison Square Garden to celebrate Michael Jackson's 13th year as a solo act. We all know that number. She's in the green dress. The way you make me feel, I love that performance, but I had no idea that she filmed that the day after the Super Bowl. She was a teenager. She was 19 years old. All of these chapters, 8 through 15, talk about... All our favorite like all our favorite moments in Brittany's life they all happen in these chapters and and it's just chapters eight it's only forty pages, forty pages and it's just like she breezes past it, so i can't imagine what we're about to uh, about to get into. She also talks about she hosted s n l two times at this point the amount of work that she did and moving so fast and The SNL is one of my favorite moments of all time. So I just want to mark this and say, when she hosted SNL, when she was 18 years old, that was my senior prom, my senior prom weekend. And my best friend, Megan, who passed away four years ago, and I, we went up to these cabins and everyone was partying. And I was like, Megan, I have to watch Britney Spears host SNL. And she was like, I got you. And we got in our cars in Lake George, New York, and we drove and got slices of pizza. I have pictures from this night and it makes me so happy. I was wearing a teal t-shirt that said it was a Roxy t-shirt. So Roxy was in pink. The t-shirt was teal with khaki cargo pants and like running sneakers. And also that outfit, very in right now, (laughs) very in right now. And we came back with our slices of pizza and it was just me and Megan and we allowed our friend Chris and Jimmy, cause he had so much respect for Brittany to come in this, like you guys, it was a hole in the wall motel hole in the wall motel. And there were literal bunny ears and we barely got reception to watch Brittany. And I remember it was like literally like the, the fuzzy lines across the screen And we watch it on this tiny, tiny, tiny television. And it was one of the best nights of my life. It was amazing. And it was raining. And so my hair was all frizzy. And, you know, the thing is, and I said this to to Lance Bass when I got to talk to him on the podcast, is that while they were all working so hard, they were creating these memories for us because they were you know they were the north star that's the that was the direction we will, we were all turned towards and they they were on the stage and we were in the audience and it just gave me so many of these core memories and at the end of the day i am incredibly grateful for it like i absolutely love them and i also feel so incredibly guilty because it was the thing that was driving some of these people behind them to keep them going and to make sure that they wouldn't stop working. And Brittany talked about how she, after the breakup with Justin, did an interview with People Magazine in Kentwood because she had said that she wanted a break and her team got very nervous about this. So they were like, no, 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 we should do an interview with People Magazine. So she's at the house in Kentwood that she bought her family. And, she bought, and specifically her mom and sister to live in because at this point her mom had divorced her dad. And People Magazine comes, she does this interview and she was like, I didn't know why, I didn't know what I was supposed to talk about. And this is the, these are the first signs of Brittany's resentment towards Jamie Lynn. And guys, I really wanna open up this conversation. Please contact me on Instagram and in my DMs at Jennifer Zaporowski because... I I know. I I get it. I I get Britney's resentment towards Jamie Lynn. But at the time, think of it this way. I I almost I put the blame on Britney's mom even though I don't think she had any any of the tools. None of them had any tools and it's just like the cycle of abuse and trauma. It just went round and round and round. But at the time, Brittany's mom is going through a divorce. She can barely get herself out of bed. Her daughter is young and is, and her mom just gives her whatever she wants. And so therefore, Jamie Lynn becomes a snot-nosed brat. And a snot-nosed brat, I haven't used that saying maybe ever. And so she's just demanding milkshakes, and Britney can't believe how her sister is speaking to her mom. And Britney's especially like, I bought you this house and you're acting like a spoiled brat. And you're not grateful and you're you're unkind. And it's like, well, yeah. It, it's the complete opposite of how Britney was raised, but I'm slightly giving Jamie Lynn a pass at this time because she was a child like I feel like it's a little rough to take her down at this phase later when she's an adult and especially look she was a teen mom so even though she was still underage wasn't even 18 yet when she became a mom at that point it's like okay I mean look they look at look at Kylie Jenner she's a great gal she's a great gal that one but I think I want to give Jamie Lynn a tiny bit of a pass because she was a child in this fucked up family. But, but you guys can talk to me about it. Please like explain more things to me. I'm not saying in the later years, but I'm saying at this point, it feels a little rough to try to take Jamie Lynn down um, just for demanding milkshakes and saying snotty things. Guys, we need to talk about Brittany though and her method acting. We get to crossroads. We get to crossroads and Brittany gives us everything she's got. She pours everything into being Lucy to the point where she becomes Lucy and she said she couldn't shake it. She walked like Lucy. She talked like Lucy. Justin asked her, who are you? Why are you walking like this? And then one day after filming, she walks into a CVS, buys some makeup with some girlfriends, walks out and is suddenly Britney again. And she was, it was like shaking a ghost off. And she said, that is why she never took another acting job. And she said it was between her and Rachel McAdams for the role in The Notebook. And I know we've all seen it. The audition came out. The audition of Britney Spears for the role came out last week. It's all over the internets. And I just got to say, it wasn't really between her and Rachel McAdams. I mean, can we just like, let's, I love Britney Spears, but let's be honest, everyone. It wasn't really between the two of them. I'm sure they said this could be great. I mean, she's the biggest pop star, blah, blah, blah. Did she do an okay job? Yes. In the audition? Yes. Did she, was she able to get some tears going? Yes. It was, guys have been in Los Angeles for a very, very, very long time. I've been in many, 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 many acting classes. And I've also watched many, many, many auditions being on the other side of things. And I would watch that and I would be like, yeah, okay, she's good. But guys, we've also seen the Rachel McAdams audition. And that audition, that audition, that's the person that gets the role. That is, that is one of the most beautiful performances. And it was just in the audition. So it I right? It wasn't between the two of them, but we love Brittany and we love what she what she gave to that. There was also there were a couple of moments I was watching the tape where she says there's a line where the character the the line of dialogue is something the word like is in there, and when you watch Rachel McAdams do it, she's saying it's like I can't breathe without you, and Brittany does it, and she's saying it's like. And then is searching for it like, and it's also kind of a throwaway, which is more of a modern way of speaking. Not at all like someone would speak from that time period of the notebook. And it gave me a giggle because Brittany obviously wasn't coached on it or was she? I don't know. I don't know. But later Brittany is offered the Renee Zellweger role in Chicago that I would have loved to have seen. And she would have she would have been great. And she says, she says in it, I could have gotten a coach. And she says, and that coach would have protected me and taught me how not to become so method that I believe that I'm a woman who killed her husband at that time period, in that time period. So we really missed out. And Brittany says she wishes that she would have been braver and she would have like, you know, pushed herself out of her comfort zone and she would have just gone with it. And as great as Renee Zellweger was in Chicago, don't we all wish that we would have seen Britney on our screens instead of that? And then you just go to all these places. Well, would Catherine Zeta Jones, would she have won the Oscar if Britney had been in the Renee Zellweger role? Would it have been as well-reviewed? Would it have been an Oscar movie? It's just too good. It's just too good. Then we get to Brittany and Justin, the cheating years. And she says that Justin cheated many times. Also something we got right here on the podcast is that Justin definitely cheated with someone on All Saints. And that Brittany, well, he also talks about, she, she talks about how Justin said to a dancer in Vegas, which was also really embarrassing, I hit that last night, I can't. He said, I hit that last night. Justin, come on. And there were other people. She believes there were other people. She said she cheated on Justin one time and it was a kiss with Wade Robson, which we all knew about. Now, there was tale of Britney maybe hooking up with a movie star while she was with Justin. But you know what? If Britney says that it was only that one time with Wade Robson, I'm going to believe her. Just as I believe Oprah when she said she is not on Ozempic. So that's what we're going to do. We are going to take Britney's word for it. But (sighs) Justin... Justin couldn't let it go. He said he was going to let it go, but he didn't. Also, Brittany and Justin lived together in Orlando. They had a home in Orlando. I thought they had a house in Los Angeles together. I love the fact that they went down to Orlando. They had time to themselves. I bet they weren't chased by the paparazzi. Did we know about this? That one photo shoot that we have, of the two of them and they say, this is in their home together and it is a Spanish style home, which she says it is in the book, the house in Orlando. Is that the Orlando house? I thought it was an LA house. Someone else confirmed that for me too. And Brittany talks about their denim outfits, which that was cute. The only new thing that came out of that was she suggested it and Justin said yes and she couldn't believe that he said yes and that it was a fun quirky thing. And I just think that is like, that's very, very cute. Then when Justin dumps Britney, it's while she's shooting the overprotected remix by dark child video, which is a favorite video of mine. She's in the pink. She's in the teal. She's in the rain. That dance break is amazing. Amazing. And I can't believe that she kept it going and just put it all into the video. I think that's absolutely incredible. She is, she is our pop princess. I mean, no one is better than Britney Spears. Then she goes home. She, she, there is this theme of her going back to Kentwood and it never going well. It's like her childhood was shit. Then she goes back and the sister is demanding milkshakes. She's sad. She's like, this is, I want time off. She hates it. Justin breaks up with her. She goes home. She's depressed. She's in bed. She can't leave her bed. He arrives with the framed letter that says, I can't breathe without you. And when she said it's still under the bed, is it still under the bed in the Kentwood house? Or is it under her bed in her home in Los Angeles? And has it gone from place to place with her? Guys, i Do you ever go home to your childhood home and open a drawer and find an old weird thing from your childhood self? I still do. I, my parents still live in the house that they brought me home from the hospital. That's the same house. And so I still will open a drawer and find something weird I wrote or something weird I put in there. And I'm like, oh my God. So I, I think it's in the Kentwood house that is. Oh, we got to get it, we got to take it out and it's dusty and you look at it and you think about that time that could go for a lot of money. I say we sell it for charity. I find, it's an amazing, we can, you know, what we'll do. Brittany, I say Brittany sells that and the proceeds go to uh, protecting those in conservatorships and making sure that they are, have rights and are are being protected. And so she's not overprotected. I feel like that could be full circle. That could be full circle, you guys. And then, of course, we know, we talked about this last week, but that Brittany becomes pregnant. This is all between the ages of 15 and 19. 15 and 19, or like 15 and 20. This is so much life that has happened during these formative years. It was blowing my mind. And I I think that this was the time that really, that the breakup, it's the breakup that, that really kind of changed the trajectory of Britney's life. And she just couldn't recover from it. And she didn't know who she was without Justin in her life. And the biggest standout thing, you know, when we had Britney's Mouseketeer friend on the show, uh, Nikki Deloche, she was saying how Justin Timberlake's mom, also named Lynn, how she really was, you know, everyone's caretaker and how Brittany and Nikki would stay with her. And they basically, you know, lived with her. And we know that, you know, Lynn paid for Britney and her mom to go back home when Brittany's grandmother had passed away and Brittany says that at this time when Justin broke up with her and she had to go home to Kentwood that it wasn't really home that her mom wasn't who she went home to it was Justin's family and so she was so sad because she had also lost them this is the end I I ended here today because I feel like this is the the end and the beginning for Britney. It's a whole new a whole new chapter if you will. And this was really her not her good years, but like the years where she was just putting out so much, was so prolific, was at the top of her game. And that dream within a dream tour, someone asked me online where you can find it. If you just google dream within a dream tour video, a lot of different links come up and it has the whole show. It's, it's next level. It is superior. It is, she is a, such a talent. And something that she said in the book was, I couldn't understand why people kept saying I wasn't authentic. I wasn't authentic. And right when I read that, I was brought back to being in high school when people would be like, really, you like Britney Spears? You know, she sucks, this or that. And I'm like thinking about at that time, who else was on TRL? And I'm like, you mean to tell me that we were like Limp biscuit? Now that's a group with talent, but Britney Spears isn't? I mean, talk about being authentic. She had someone pitch to her a completely different concept for her Baby One More Time video. And she said, no, I don't think my audience is going to relate to that. We should be getting out of school and then we just break into dance and more so we should be in uniforms. And it is to this day, the most authentic, the most, the, the most, you just see, you see a Catholic school uniform, you see the pom-poms in the hair and you know exactly what you're looking at it was the most incredible branding and that came from Brittany herself. So to all those haters, how dare you? And also, Brittany, I'm sorry because we all participated in it. I mean, I certainly didn't, but you were the real deal and it's terrible that people tried to treat you like you were anything other than that. Your perfection. God, I love her. You know, guys, I'm reading more and more and we'll talk about these chapters later, but there were some things that I did get wrong in the podcast. I don't want to just say I was right, I was right, I was right. There were things that I was wrong about. I mean, we'll never know truly, you know, how much help Brittany did need, how much support she did need. I mean, she said like I needed my family and I just wanted to be held, but, you know, her family did it all wrong. We all know that. Really, really, really wrong. Her dad's a monster. Her dad's a monster. More to come, more to come. All right, listen, I love you all so much. It's been so fun to reconnect. Please keep reaching out. Send me any questions, any comments. I love that we're sharing videos again and clips of Brittany. These really were the good years and that's why I really wanted to do this alone and just chat with you guys and get into it because this is originally originally why I started doing this podcast was just to talk about how amazing Brittany Spears is, was everything. And I had no idea all the other things that were happening. So more to come, please reach out. My Instagram is at Jennifer Zabarowski. And also guys, I directed a comedy special starring our friend, Heather McMahon. It's called Sun I Never Had. It is on Netflix and bringing it back. Full circle to our girl, Victoria Beckham. On the first day we charted, we were right behind Beckham on Netflix. It was just such a treat. Please watch it. I think it's great. I had so much fun filming it. So if you, you, know, if you need a laugh, check it out. All right, guys, till next week, bye.